So I recently heard a story about a man who was driving along the highway and he saw the Easter bunny hopping across in front of the road. So he swerves to miss the Easter bunny. But unfortunately, the Easter bunny jumped right in front of the car. The basket of the eggs and the candy that the bunny was carrying, it went flying. So the, the driver, you know, he uh, kind of freaked out and he was an animal lover and he loved Easter. So he pulls over the side of the road to see what had happened to the rabbit that was carrying the basket. And so to his dismay, this rabbit was dead. The man was distraught. Then a woman driving down the highway sees him on the side of the road, distraught, and so she pulls over. She gets out of her car, and she asks him, what's wrong? He says, I feel horrible. I killed the Easter bunny. I hit the Easter bunny. Children are going to be so disappointed. I don't know what to do. So she comforts him. She says, don't worry. I know exactly what to do. She goes back to her car. She pulls out of her trunk a spray can. She walks over to the dead rabbit. She sprays the contents of the can all over the little bunny. And miraculously, the Easter bunny pops up, comes to life, picks up all the eggs and the candy, puts it back in the basket, waves its paw, and then hops down the road. About 10 feet away, he stops, turns around, waves again, hops down another 10 feet, turned and waved again, and then another 10 feet and waves again. And the guy, he's, he turns to the woman, he goes, what is in that can? And so she, she holds it out to him and she let him read the label, hairspray. <laughs> Restores life to dead hair. Adds permanent wave. <laughs> That's funny, I don't care what you say. But the truth is the Easter bunnies have been part of Easter for a long time. Uh, according to the Smithsonian, chocolate bunnies came onto the scene here in the U.S. in the late 19th century. And I remember as a child, one year, my grandparents, they got me a huge chocolate bunny similar to this one. And I could not wait to eat it. It was huge. I would be able to eat on this for weeks. So starting on an ear, I re- which is where you always start with the chocolate bunny, I found out that it, it was what inside? I remember feeling like I had been robbed, right? I never understood why somebody would want to do that to a child, right? I mean, it had to be some cruel, demented version of Willy Wonka, right? You know, it'd be fun just to tease little kids and make it hollow inside. Or or maybe the makers of the chocolate bunny, I thought, maybe they're just overbearing parents that think too much chocolate is going to rot their child's teeth. But the bottom line was, I was sorely disappointed, And sometimes life can feel like a hollow bunny. It's exciting, it's got the promise of a full and sweet experience, and yet sometimes when we bite into an ear, it ends up being hollow, empty. And so this is why today we actually begin a series called Hope Lives. Because regardless, all of us have had experiences in life that have disappointed us robbed us of our hope, Uh, the experiences, they were just empty on the inside. So today we are talking about something that every single one of us needs. And I don't think that there has ever been a time in my life, time at, at least, that our world has not needed hope more than right now. That's why we are starting this series called Hope Lives. And now, Here is what I know about each and every one of us, you, me, 
all of us. I know that we all have hopes, we have dreams, we have aspirations. I know that you have desires for what you want to do with your life, how your life is going to end up, and maybe, just maybe, it's different than what your life is going like right now. But here's what I know about all of us. We all have had unmet dreams, unfulfilled dreams, unrealized dreams dreams. And in fact, a lot of us, we may actually feel like we're actually in a time right now where we're actually disappointed in life. You bit off the chocolate ears of life and it seems empty. Could be that you're in that state where you're looking out and you're thinking, well, you know what? I got more days behind me than I got in front of me and I have not fulfilled the dreams that I once had for my life. So let me ask this question then. Do you remember the first time when you started to feel like this, like when you started to feel like life is not turning out the way that I always hoped it would. Maybe it was when you graduated from high school or, or in college and they weren't hiring in your field, or maybe it was when somebody served you divorce papers. Maybe it was when you had a family member pass away and there was a hole in life. Or maybe when you discovered that you were not going to be able to have children. About 20 years ago, this was Melissa and I's thing, is we had been trying to have children for about seven years. And Melissa had it in her heart that she wanted to be a mother by the time that she was 30. And so her birthday is in November. And when she was 29, the conception date early in the year, it came and it went. No baby. And we were crushed. We felt hopeless, empty. So we know what it feels like. And, and maybe for you, it was just realizing that you weren't, you weren't gonna be able to get that job that you were hoping for, or that promotion that you felt like you had earned. Or maybe it's not so much a tragic event. Sometimes it's just day-to-day -day realization that our lives are not what we had hoped that they would be. And now we're getting older. And the wrinkles are starting to show up. And the weight in our body is shifting from the poles to the equator, if you know what I mean. And we just begin to realize that this is not what I hoped life would be. Life can sometimes be disappointing. And to be honest, all of us, we all have those kind of hopes. All of us can feel hollow inside or hopeless inside in an area of our life. And I just want to identify that feeling with one word today. And that one word is Saturday. Now, that might seem strange because typically Saturday, I mean, that's a great day, right? There's no school, there's no work, we get to do whatever we want to, right? But the truth is that we have a great day on Saturday, but in reality, when it comes to Easter, is that Saturday, it was not a good day. Because in the Easter story, Saturday, it was the day that hope died. The, the Easter story is a three-day story, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Death, burial, and resurrection. Trouble, emptiness, but deliverance. Amen. The beginning, the middle, and the end. And we all know about the first day, like we know about Good Friday, right? Because we, we talk about Good Friday, and we celebrate Good Friday, because that's the day that Jesus died on a cross for us. And we all know about Easter Sunday. That's, the, that's today. That's the day that we celebrate because it's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. But the day that we forget about a lot of times 
is Saturday. Because Saturday was a devastating day. Good Friday brought about shock. Saturday brought about emptiness, hopelessness. You see, these people that had chosen to follow Jesus, they had actually left family, they had left homes, they'd left careers, they had, they had staked everything. They had left their security of life and they had all followed this traveling preacher, this rabbi who was a son of a carpenter, thinking that he was the son of God, thinking that he was gonna be the one to deliver their people because their people, Israel, they were being occupied by a whole nother empire. And so they had been enslaved and they thought that this guy, Jesus, that he was gonna be the one that would deliver them from this, the one that they had been waiting for, a Messiah. And they had followed him for three years, watching him perform miracle after miracle. And so when he was arrested on Thursday night, they thought, well, this won't last long. Jesus will stand up, he'll say a few words, everybody will fall down, and we'll all walk out of here, just like we did before. But he didn't. And then he was brought before Pilate, and they thought, okay, this is it. This is the time when he's going to perform a miracle, and their pyrotechnics will go off, and everybody's going to bow before him. And suddenly, we are going to overthrow Rome, and we will be in charge again. But he didn't. And then he's sentenced to be flogged, which means he would be drug out into the street and suspended from a pole where his back is stretched out and exposed. And the Roman soldiers would take whips made of long strands of leather with little bits of bone and rock and what, would, what would we would consider glass, and they would, they would whip it with it. It would wrap around his body and lodge into his skin, and they would rip that off. And they did that 39 times. And all of his disciples had to be thinking shortly at some point, he is going to stop this. But he never did. And then when he's sentenced to die and he's forced to carry his own cross through the streets of Jerusalem to outside the city. And when he's nailed to this cross, everybody must be thinking, what is going on? This is not supposed to happen. And they look and they see this crucifixion going on of their Lord. And see, for us, crucifixion is sanitized today. I mean, we have tattoos of the cross and we have cross jewelry. You know, we, we use it to de decorate things. Back then, it was horrific. And they had seen it. They had heard the cries. They had smelled it as they walked by criminals crucified on crosses on the side of the road. It was a sign from Rome, their oppressor, telling them and making sure everybody knew, we are in charge. And then, just to see Jesus go through this, their hope, everybody would be stunned because the Son of God doesn't die, but he did. And as Saturday approaches, hope is over. And they put Jesus in this tomb and they roll the stone in front of it and he's dead. And it's Saturday and all hope is lost. It's empty. And the disciples, the followers of Jesus, they must have thought we've fallen for the biggest hoax of all time. We have given everything and we've fallen for a joke. Because the people that were following Jesus, they had to feel like fools. 
on Saturday. They had felt like they had fallen for the biggest hoax ever because Jesus, he was dead. And they had to be thinking, God, where are you in all of this? God, do you even care about what we're going through? Why are you silent? And listen, we all, myself included, we've all been there before. What are the mysteries in your life? Just the things you don't understand. It could be a disappointment in your life. Unable to understand or, or unable to get over. Or it might be a time when you're thinking, God, why are you doing this? Or why are you allowing this? Or maybe, God, you're just not powerful enough to stop this. But it's a mystery to me. And I don't understand why this is going on. Maybe it's a mystery of why your kids went a different direction that you raised them to. Maybe it's why your parents act the way they do. Maybe it's the mystery of disharmony in the family and people just you know, not getting along. It could be the mystery of why one of your family members can't get over addiction. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's the mystery of why your life has not turned out the way that you planned it when you were younger. But here's the reality, is that all of us have something in our life that has robbed us of hope and made us feel hollow inside. You see, the reason that Easter Sunday is so amazing is because Saturday was so empty. See, as far as we know, there's only one day in the last 2,000 years that there were no followers of Jesus, and that was Saturday. Because they all thought he was dead. Nobody was planning for him to return the next day. The disciples are not outside the tomb counting down to the next day. Ten, nine, eight. John's not asking Peter, what are you going to say to Jesus tomorrow when you see him? Mary Magdalene is not wondering what she's going to wear to Easter Sunday. I don't have anything pastel. No. Nobody is thinking that. Because they believed him that he was dead, and their hope was dead. This is not Sunday, this is Saturday, and God is silent. Their hopes, empty. So what do we do when, you, when hope seems dead? There are two things that we put in hope, hope in. We put hope in something or someone. And so the question is, what do we do when we don't have it, regardless? You know, we're all hopers, right? We're all optimistic hopers by nature as children. This is why kids will show up at an Easter egg hunt like yesterday and eat. The next egg is always going to be better than the one you got now, right? This is why you go on first dates because it could be the one. This is why you start businesses because I think this is a great, great idea. Hope is why you bought a treadmill because of hope. Not a place that you store your clothes in your bedroom. You had a hope that you were going to use that thing. You see, all of us, we are irrepressible hopers. And in fact, as children, we actually grow up with hope and we grow up with dreams. That's part of a healthy childhood. However, throughout the years, it's very possible that that hope begins to die. Something Happened. Something fell through. That person did you wrong. Somebody abused you. Somebody left you. You failed. 
and Saturday is a reality. Hope is dead. It's hollow. And maybe for some of us right now, we're figuring out that we might have put our hope in the wrong thing or the wrong person. And so the question becomes, how do we get our hope back? And the bigger question is, can we even get it back? Can that hope that you used to have, that hope for that relationship, that hope of a strong family, that hope for those finances, can you even get that back? Well, I've got good news because there was one of those followers of Jesus. His name was Peter, and he was very, very close to Jesus, and he actually witnessed him die. And then he witnessed him after the resurrection. Spoiler alert, Jesus rises. And then Peter writes a letter and he tells us where he puts his hope. He says, praise be to the God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You know, something fascinating, this word hope right here, it's used 71 times in the New Testament. Okay, 71 times about Jesus and the first church, okay? You know how many times it is used before the resurrection? One time. So you don't have to be a Bible scholar to figure out it's 70 to one. People discovered where their hope was supposed to be because they talk about it 70 times after the resurrection. You see, the message of Easter is simply this. It's that God does his best work in hopeless situations. It's the truth. It happened with Jesus and it happens with us. Look, if you don't hear anything else this Easter, this is what I want you to know. That God does his best work in hopeless, empty, Saturday situations. And we've got to remember that Easter, look, it's not a one-day story. It's not a two-day story. It's a three-day story. The story of Easter is a three-day story. And on Good Friday, Jesus died, and that was a dark day. And on Saturday, it looked like hope was dead, and it was an empty day. But on the third day, he rose. Death, burial, and resurrection. Trouble, emptiness, but deliverance. Beginning, middle, and end. You see, while it appeared that all hope was lost and Saturday was the empty end of everything, God was actually at work for Sunday. God was at work during Saturday for Sunday. The problem is sometimes we don't always know it's a three-day story until the third day, right? This is what happens this is what happened with Melissa and I when you we were trying to have a child. Because once that conception date came and, and went and Melissa uh, wasn't a mother by the time she was 30, we went through a time of hopelessness, emptiness. And we just decided, you know what? I was, at the time, I was a youth pastor. She was a children's pastor. And we decided, you know what? If these are our children on Sunday, we're going to pour into them and we're going to make them our children. We're just going to love on them and pour into them. But did you know that that summer... A young lady called us up out of the blue and she said, look, you don't know me, but I know you. I came to your youth ministry a couple times years ago. I find myself pregnant, out of wedlock. The father wants to have nothing to do with me or the baby. And I wanted to see if you would pray about adopting my child. 
And our son, Josiah, was born on October the 2nd with a whole month and a half to spare before Melissa's 30th birthday. You see, when it's Friday or when it's Saturday, it's as bad as it can get. But is it possible that the hopelessness that we feel, that emptiness that you might feel right now in an area of your life, could it be that you're just only in day two, Saturday? And what if... What if God is working behind the scenes right now to bring about your third day? Hope. See, for some of us, it's incredible stress in our families, and we don't know how it's going to get better. But God's at work. For some of us, it's something, you know, in our office or in our school, and we're thinking, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. But I'm telling you, God is at work. Sometimes, for some of us, it's an issue with an addiction, and you're thinking, yeah, I don't know how I'm going to ever get out of this. I'm telling you, God is at work. For some of us, it's an issue with our marriage, and we think, look, I don't know that we're ever going to make it through this. God is at work. So the question is, will you put your hope in something or someone? I've chosen to put my hope in someone who walked out of a grave on a Sunday. And I will tell you about somebody who put hope in the wrong thing, though, that lived at the exact same time that Jesus was alive and all of his disciples and all the people that we've been talking about, he lived at the same time. His name was Saul, and we now call him the Apostle Paul. God actually changed his name, kicked him off a horse and changed his name. But the thing that he put his hope in was this. It was religion. It's what a lot of people put their hope in religion, right? We have this kind of hope that if I'm just good enough, then I'll get into heaven and God will be okay with me. And Saul had been trying to be good enough, pushing and just being good enough, but he never felt like he measured up, just like a lot of us do. But then he met Jesus after the resurrection, and he found out what it could be like to put his hope in someone rather than something. And look what he writes to the church in Ephesus, right? And this is in the first century. He says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him, even if it's Saturday, even if you feel empty, that we believe him. And then he said, this is the same mighty power that actually raised Christ from the dead. This hope that's in us. He's saying that same power that breathed life back into Jesus's body, that rolled away the stone and allowed Jesus to walk out that Easter Sunday. It's the same power that is alive if you call Jesus your Lord is alive in you. Because Jesus does his best work in hopeless situations on Saturday in the emptiness. The question is, will we receive that? And maybe you already know Jesus, but there's a place in your life that feels empty. It feels like your Saturday. And I'm telling you that hope, it's alive. If you could just fast forward to Sunday and look back, if you could go forward in time and look back at your Saturday, how would you feel about it? How would you react to things knowing that Sunday is coming? Or maybe you've never come to a place in your life where you have just decided that, to give your life to him and receive his love for you. Maybe for some of you, you thought, you know, well, that, that, that can't even exist for me because of what I've done. 
And you know you, and you know that God, there's no way God could ever love you. Maybe for some of you, you've, learned, you've heard about the love of God so much, it's just kind of lost on you. You're like, yeah, I know, I heard all that growing up. But listen, I want you to have a moment where you can simply just receive the love of God, the hope of God, the fullness of God, and just realize that he is your only hope. So I wanna encourage you. God does his best works on Saturday in the emptiness that happens in our lives. Now, God's not the cause of the emptiness. God didn't cause Jesus' Saturday, but he does his best work in our lives on our Saturday when life gives us an empty ear. You know the real reason why chocolate bunnies are hollow? The chocolate making process has changed now, but back then, one of the major reasons why chocolate bunnies remain hollow was that once, back then, once a piece of chocolate was over a half an inch thick, if you had a larger bunny and it was solid chocolate, it would be like a brick. You'd break your teeth on it. It would not be enjoyable. It, would, it becomes nearly impossible to bite into and to enjoy. So making bunnies hollow actually let the chocolatiers make them larger and more beautiful, but yet still enjoyable. Turns out nobody was robbing me with my empty bunny. Because a solid bunny would have been hard, almost impossible to eat, crude in appearance, compared to the beautifully molded and decorated Easter bunnies that have filled Easter baskets for years. So perhaps instead of the wicked deception, we may come to see the hollow Easter bunny for its beauty and the color candy decorations that forms its little eyes and the ribbons that, that go around its neck. We can admire how pretty that they are nestled in that green plastic grass, you know, and those foil chocolate wrapped eggs and in little baskets carried by little girls with ringlets in their hair and flowery Easter hats. But the bottom line is God does his best work on Saturdays. He does his best work on the inside of us when life seems empty. But the hope that he gives us is this, is that Sunday is coming where death is defeated and hope lives. You see, this is Jesus. And because of his Sunday, we are gonna make it through our Saturdays. So for the next three weeks, as we continue this series, Hope Lives, listen, we're going to be talking about how to infuse your life with hope, how to actually change what you believe about yourself, how to keep hope when bad things happen, and how to change the thoughts that rob you of your hope. But for now, would you stand with me?